Okay, hello. Welcome to the latest episode of Getting There, eSchool News Conversations with Tech Directors and Superintendents uh, talking about their response to the pandemic. Uh, with me today, Glenn Robbins, Superintendent down at Brigantine Public Schools, not too far from me in my international headquarters here in, in Trenton, Glenn. And I got to say, uh, if you're going to be quarantined somewhere, Jersey Shore in mid to late September is a, is a pretty good place to be, right? It's a gorgeous place to be right now, and I'm yeah. rather fortunate where I am. Yeah, although you're probably a little busy. Just a tad, <laughs> just a tad, just like uh, every other educator in the country right now. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so the crazy times continue during the fall. I started these conversations in the spring with kind of uh, the hope that it all be over. You know, the conversations were all kind of well. Hopefully, we'll be back to normal in, in September. Obviously, we're not. You're in a remote setup. Um, maybe if we start off by just kind of telling us a little bit about your community and about your, your district. And uh, I know that you're, you're new there, but you're, you're a South Jersey guy, so you, you've been in that area, right? Yeah, so uh, unique circumstances. I started here in February, and then the huh. whole world shut down in the middle of March. So uh, with that being said, I had to quickly start running and gunning to get to know everybody. And, um, you know, worked really hard to bring the entire community together as one when we had this whole uh, steamroller coming downhill at us in the beginning of March. We didn't know what it was going to look like, how long we'd be out for. Uh, so I give a tremendous amount of credit to all the island leadership that I'm a part of over here. You know, we brought in our city manager, we brought in our mayor, we brought in our administrative team, our teachers union. Uh, we had a couple of parents on questions and so forth. We had our public works, PD, FD, OEM, you name it. We all sat together in one big room and said, and of course our board members as well and city council members, we sat down and it's like, look, this is not about leadership of titles and ego here. This is about leadership for what's best for our community. And we have to do with what's best with something we don't know what's going to be entailing. So, um, you know, I can tell you that this is a community that has persevered many times before from Super San Superstorm Sandy before, um, you know, so they were up to the task and we remain collective and in many conversations throughout the whole entire spring. And then, you know, in the summertime when we started gearing up to possibly bring everybody back, you know, we, we got out to once again, the entire community and more saying, hey, would you like to be part of this? you know massive push to get our students back into the buildings and uh you know i give them a tremendous amount of credit i give them uh you know the patience and, and the virtue of understanding uh and grace and empathy that everybody had towards this um you know it's a lot and a lot of people want to be done with covid and covid doesn't want to be done with us and you know that's a frustration that we all have and then you know as things continue to change through uh, the leadership, not only in New Jersey's uh, NJDOE, as far as the uh, governor's messages as, as well, but across the country, numbers started going up and down and more things continued to swing. So the lack of better words, and we kept trying to hit a target that was impossible to hit. Uh, so a lot of hard work went into it. But then once we got to the ninth hour, we had to unfortunately go remote due to staffing issues. And I could you know, not guarantee the safety and health and welfare of all of our children to staff. And that comes first, you know. So now we've started off remotely, um, and we we kept pushing that, you know, how do you create an empathetic experience to parents and to kids um, through a weird virtual setting again? Even though they had done it, but you know, now that's a brand new teacher. So how do you build that relationship with them? So 
our first day of orientation, we held it outside and the parents came by certain uh, scheduled times and they got to meet their teachers outside, get their, um, got their materials, got Chromebooks that they needed, got assistance that they needed. So it was a face-to-face -face interaction and we tried to make it as fun as we could. And then that day was also, you know, just trying to figure out how to use the sign on to certain platforms that we're going to be utilizing. And we, we worked really hard to streamline to just a couple in particular, because I'm a parent, you're a parent, and sitting at home last year when there was a new application coming out every day, someone thought it was so cool. But then you know, to a parent's end, you're like, what is the password for this one? <laughs> yeah, Why am right. I getting on this one? And what does this do? Right. It, it became cumbersome. So we, you know, we really looked into that. And there was a lot of feedback we got from our parents was, can we get some platforms or apps that we were all used to streamline it? So it's a commonality across the district. And we've become very successful at that. And then we hosted parent academies. So it was training for the parents. So that way we could record them, put them up on there for them. And it's not just parents. You know, you're talking grandparents, you're talking daycares, you're talking aunts and uncles and all these individuals who are stepping up to try to watch these kids. While some parents try to go back to physical work, some are still unemployed, you know, some are still in the mix of trying to get their livelihoods back together. So, you know, there are so many moving variables in this and, and we we tried to stay empathetic the entire time to everyone's needs and and that's not counting the food services that we still put out for the families that need the food services or you know all summer long we did the um psychiatry help and so forth for any families that were feeling the need or pressures whatever we kept sending out like individuals on zooms and so forth to talk with them as a one-on-one -on -one or a group kept sending out resources over the summer um, you know, since we're next to the casinos in Atlantic City, they shut down for quite some time. So those markets went, you know, down, jobs went out, and then we ended up, you know, helping families that were working in casinos that weren't even our family members in the building, but yet in the greater community, you're like, hey, here's when the food bank's opening. Here's when there's a massive line that you can go sit in and get food. So, you know, overall, it wasn't just a school. It was a true community involvement. And I think I can say that uh, all the other superintendents that I talked to and leaders and that I talked to across the country are in a very similar boat. You know, it's, it's new, it's unique, but at the same time, leading with grace and compassion every step of the way. Yeah. Talk a little bit more about um, the communications uh, via Zoom. When I was speaking to districts in the spring, they considered a success. You know, forget about COVID loss and learning loss and state assessments and attendance and all the old metrics that we used to measure things before the pandemic. Uh, and instead the conversation was about making connections, making students feel safe uh, and have, have, a, have a connection. Do you think these are dynamics that will continue even after we're through all this, this madness? And do you think that the, the Zoom kind of helps um, while I don't like them. I have Zoom fatigue. Everybody has Zoom fatigue. At the same time, as a parent, I've had more interaction with my boys' uh, teachers and counselors on a one-to-one -one basis because you could just flick it on and have a five-minute conversation. You don't have to get in the car and drive to school, staying in line. Likewise, some, uh, you know, the fathers' club meeting online got together. I'm thinking that these things might 
might kind of stick around and replace some of the old stuff. Is that something that you see in your experience? Yeah, you know, that's kind of my hope. Um, you know, we talked about that in the spring. And, you know, one of the things that I tried to do was not only for the kids, but it was also, I brought in a speaker every Friday throughout the entire spring as a positive pep talk. And I had some amazing international best-selling authors. I had educators from all over the country. And it was like a pep talk. And it was also sharing different ways to learn from. And everybody's message was the same. Take what you're doing now successfully. And when September comes, continue to build on that. You know, so I think what you're starting to see is, you know, of these things I'm reading online is that some people tried to revert back to the good old, what it used to be, now trying to lecture in front of an 80-minute Zoom session, which is impossible. Yeah. And, you know, so they've reverted back to that, you know, pedantic adaptation again, but their old normalcy, and you got to break from it. But to your point, the connections that the teachers are having with parents is greater than ever. You know, and we always say there's lack of communication, or I wish that teacher, I could talk to him or her. We have that now, like you said, at your fingertips to quickly hit a button and say, hey, I'm here. You know, how's my son doing? How's my daughter doing? You know, we set it up too, that in the morning, particularly for our mostly younger grade levels, they have the learning in the morning. And then in the afternoon is office hours for several hours. So it could be tutoring. It could be, you know, one-on-one -on -one time for mom and dad to talk to the teacher. Uh, you know, think about that. Usually you got to wait for back to school night, not just an overview. And then you have parent teacher conferences, it's usually in like November. You know, and we would always say before, if you had to wait till November to talk to the teacher, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. You know, so like, you know, now it's like you could talk literally every day to that teacher if you wanted to. And I know that's a lot on the teacher, and I know that's a lot on the parent, and I know there people are trying to be understanding of that. But that building that that, you know, that relationship is so empowering and such a positive that they has to be used for the benefit of education going forward and not just education but in society in itself it continues yeah. to allow us to have face-to-face -face conversations whereas we're in the republic right now we have our mask on we have a hat on and we look down we don't want to talk to anybody and that's a weird undoing of what we've tried to do for so many hundreds of thousands of years on this earth Right. You know, so now they can have that intellectual conversation with other individuals. So I'm hopeful that the people continue to pick on the positives and keep building on those positives. Talk a little bit more about the new relationship with parents. Uh, before we started recording, uh, I was talking about the fact that I've been writing about education technology for 15 years, and I can't remember ever having an aspect where the parents <laughs> were involved. Even in distance learning, it was about getting the faculty in charge with the student. And there was never really a realization that you need at that other end, uh, a parent, especially when you're talking about younger students, to be get parental development instead of professional development, right? And yeah. uh, other sort yeah. of aspects like that. What, what's your experience been like that during this transformation? You know, so I, I can talk to that as an educator and I can talk to that as a father. You know, uh, when I was remote last year until the governor eased up on his orders to start going back into the buildings, you know, I was almost like the tech IT guy in my house. My wife was the teaching assistant for my son, who was in second grade at the time, but I was the IT specialist. And when she couldn't get on a certain application or a certain password or things were blocked, I would have to come in like an IT guy in the building and try <laughs> to help her out with that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, to the parents, 
like I said, that's why we did the parent academies to help them out, you know, so they can understand different software programs. That's why we asked them, you know, you know, what you think is a really good platform that works well for you, what doesn't. You know, we use one platform every single morning that our printable puts out messages to the whole community gets it. You know, we have social media as well. You know, we're not going to shy away from that. But now we have a platform directly into them. They get the notification on the phone and they get their morning announcements of what's going on. They get, you know, hey, there's a teen club at this time in the afternoon online if you want to jump on. Hey, there's uh, our therapist. Uh, you know, our social workers, these are on at this time and so forth. Hey, we're starting running club outside now. You know, if you want to come back to the building or in sports, like a intermediate slash uh, Sandlot style. So it's a lot of conversation. It's a lot of understanding again to the parents um, and, and trying to look at it from the lens that they are, you know, like I've always been big on design thinking. So empathy is always first. So we had to look at it from the lens of a parent. All right, so if you're working, how is your kid getting on? You know, so are we providing this, this support of technology, hardware, you know, to them? Where we, we have to work with them to make sure they have internet connection on the island and anywhere in this world. So, you know, I, I applaud the parents for getting involved. And I also applaud the parents that, you know, also say, hey, you are the professionals help guide us through this. And we say at the same time, well, look, I need your help too, you know, and, and that was the beauty of it. Some of our staff members last year, when this started all coming to fruition, some of our staff members were being trained by parents on how to use certain applications, Interesting. you know, so, which was yeah. pretty cool because now the relationship is even building up even more. Yeah. So, you know, and, you know, the communication is, is needed. It needs to be continuous because as one famous author likes to say, where there's no communication, there's a void. And where that void is is where negativity starts to fill. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a giant stakeholder of many, and it's not just the parents, it's the kids too. You know, the kids help guide those parents and the kids can say to mom and dad, Hey, you don't have to breathe over my shoulder. I got so, this. Yeah. I got this. I can yeah. do this part. And that's yeah. hard for some parents too. You know, I sure. found my, I found myself guilty at that time to my wife who'd be like leaning over Henry's shoulder. And then I looked at her and like, and she was a special ed teacher before she stayed home, a stay-at-home home mom. And I said, like, did you ever stand over a kid's shoulder the whole time in a class? She goes, no. <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, neither did I in history. I was yeah. like, that's my point. You yeah. got to allow these kids to have some freedom and independence. They can do it in front of yeah. devices, you know. <laughs> it's a bit, you know, it's, it's, it's been amazing watching my own kids and in the coverage of this is that um, their resilience in all of this and their their ability to step up and not only use the technology but kind of um you know begin to create their own dynamics uh and especially with it with the younger kids I mean, just so many funny instances of like mom i'm in a zoom right first grader <laughs> like you know <laughs> um, and get it together and, and it does become not that it's going to continue to be normal but i think for them it, it's, it's going to be a new kind of platform a level for for them to communicate which i uh, again I'm always desperately looking for positives in, in, in these conversations. Uh, and, yeah. and that's definitely yeah. one. But let and me ask think you. about that. Think about that too with the parents real fast. Something funny that every teacher is seeing like, Hey, here's my dog or Hey, here's my yes. ball of cereal I'm eating or Hey, here, my son loves it. He brings my, uh, my newborn daughter into it. He's like, Hey, here's my baby sister. <laughs> so to think of those relationships the teachers wouldn't have seen before, have heard before yes. without this type of technology. And at the same time, the parent can say, hey, wait a minute, give me that dog back or give me the kid back. Yeah. You know, you get back to learning. So, yeah. I didn't well, let me ask you again, like, cool. 
as a superintendent, talk about um, the dynamics uh, with the faculty who are also parents and who are also traumatized and who are also listening to the governor say one thing one day and something else the, the, the next. Although I will, I will give empathy to Governor Murphy. He's in a tough, we're all in a tough spot, right? So we're all kind of flying blind here. Um, yeah. But um, talk a little bit about how um, maybe over the summer that you were able to recharge or re-energize or, or, or get the faculty together in a place where they can actually try to teach the kids. Yeah, so, you know, that's something that's been on my mind even before COVID. I've always been a type of leader that, you know, believes that if we take care of our employees, take care of our staff members, and they can take care of the kids. If the teachers have a smile on their face, then the kids can have a smile on their face. You know, because they're, they're stakeholders in the building, too, that go out and share as an ambassador what's going on in the building. So, you know, it's not only the teachers, but are the custodials okay? You know, these guys and gals are, are nonstop scrubbing and cleaning, you know, and are, you know, everybody's involved, our secretarial, our clerks, and what's going on in their households? What are, you know, do they have a family member that was, you know, dealing with COVID or something else in this crazy world? So, you know, one of the things I did, too, during the whole shutdown in the spring was called all my staff members. Remember, I was still new at that time and calling them saying, hey, here's my personal cell phone number. I'm not calling to see what lesson you're on right now. I'm calling to see how you are doing. Yeah. You know, and I, and I yeah. want you to know this is my personal phone number. And if you ever need to call, vent, cry, whatever, talk, whatever it may be, you call me. You know, and I think that was important for the staff to know that. Um, the administrative team, I was able to, you know, we met every week and I took it a step further by researching as much as I could successful teams that were remote, what strategies they had used for years. I tried to incorporate some of those exercises, you know, to be, you know, fun in a sure. way, but yet productive and efficient of being mindful of everybody's time because we had so many different Zooms to get on and phone calls to get on. Yeah. Um, I don't think people realize the amount of energy and time that goes in behind the scenes to gear up for a remote lesson. It is extensive. Same thing, you know, like I could walk down the hallway right now and have a conversation with my principal and it'd be done in five minutes. If I were to do that in a remote setting, I have to hopefully get the right time period when she's not in a meeting, you know, not dealing with kids, not dealing with parents, and then try to talk to her for like a half an hour to an hour. Whereas here it's continuous now. So even though we're remote right now, my staff is in the building and we're working okay. from the building with all the resources and materials that we have. Um, you know, but like I said, everyone is going through the same storm right now, but everybody's got a different boat that they're on, you know, and we got to be mindful of that every step of the way. I get different requests, just like any other leader does or any other boss in any organization. Hey, Glenn, this is going on in my household. How can I get through this right now? How can, you know, for the organization, helping my kids, and at the same time, my family, how can we get through this? And I, you know, I work very hard and closely with our association president, who's been absolutely wonderful here and her leadership team. Um, because like I said, I don't have all the answers, but as a collective group, what can we do to make it best for us yeah. and our school? Yeah. And that's so important, you know, because, you know, people want to act on emotion sometimes and you can't do that. You have to take a step back, take a deep breath, almost be like stoic philosophy, like, and say, all right, what is the best overall for everybody? Yeah. Well, let me ask you this now. So um, do you find that 
the fall with the teachers in the classroom kind of broadcasting out is an improvement over kind of the pure Zoom um, situation. Talk a little bit about that. I know I've seen a lot of new um, camera technologies uh, that came out over the summertime. Uh, people getting much more comfortable with talking on through video, right? It's almost awkward now not to be talking to someone and, and yeah. seeing them in the yeah. face. Yeah. Uh, and I'm assuming that educators just feel comfortable being in their place. Uh, so you know, walk me through that. Have you seen that to be an improvement uh, and maybe something else that might stick that uh, I know we've talked about professional development in the past and sometimes teachers would be a little leery about having a camera in the classroom, right? To go over their stuff. Now, maybe not so much. Yeah, so, and that's been unique. I, I, <laughs> I always think of it this way. Like, I remember my son, he's in third grade now. And two years ago, he's like, I want a YouTube channel. And I'm like, all right, we'll get there when we get there. Yeah. And I always remember other teachers always saying, well, you know, you can't have a job on YouTube. Well, guess what? Every teacher is practically almost like a YouTube teacher right now. Like yeah. they're, they're, they've switched the role, you know, and now they're into it. Um, you know, when we were all home, I had my daughter on my one shoulder, my son on the other side, I had a dog running around, you know, and I was trying to lead the building, just like teachers were trying to teach and at the same time help their own children learn and then teach these kids. So I equated to us like in the spring, I think everybody was almost like an Apollo 13 situation. Like, yeah. you know, you're, you're trying to make sure that you can get back down to earth safely come June. And then can you have graduation? Can you not have graduation? All right. the other things to go into that. And then we kept saying from our standpoint was, look, we're Apollo 13 now, but come September, I'm expecting my expectation, the world's expectations and parents' expectations is that you're going to be SpaceX. Like everything has to be, you know, wonderful. And, yeah. you know, people will be watching nonstop. And, and let's be honest, you have people, parents who will watch over a kid's shoulder just to see if somebody's teaching a certain way. Yeah. You know, that's a unique circumstance. And you got others, like we talked about you and me before, just trying to do whatever dad and moms do. Um, but I think having the resources in the building, I think having the connectivity and the Wi-Fi resources has been uh, exponential to help allow us to grow here. Um, you know, that was always a struggle last year. Can we go into the building and go get something real fast when it's all first came to fruition? And we were like, no, you can't, because we still didn't know what was what at that time. And we, you know, didn't want to keep cleaning nonstop. So we're like, no, you got to hold off. You can't have all these resources. Now we know we can send the books home. We know we can send work home and so forth on top of a Chromebook as well. So um, that's been a tremendous booth. And I, and I think also, too, for all of us, like, hey, we're back in a, a setting. We're out of our house. We've taken a big step psychologically forward for our own psychological safety and saying, okay, I'm back in a classroom setting. I know kids are coming back eventually, hopefully sooner than later, and I can get back into my routine. I can have my room set up the way I want it to be set up safely when these kids do come back. So you know, it's a bunch of little wins in there every step of the way. That's it. Look, looking, looking for the little wins. I, I like that. Um, that's exactly where we are. <laughs> I'm going to write that down for the headline. <laughs> uh, now, did uh, the district have a one-to-one -one program before, or is this something that you, you guys had to launch from scratch? So when I came here in February, you know, there was only a certain amount of Chromebooks for every kid. So when we went out, we did offer the opportunity for Chromebooks. And 
you know, luckily for us at the time, a lot of families had their own individual devices. However, in, uh, I want to say April, May, as an administrative team, we started talking about what was going on now and what does the world look like ahead. So, you know, we utilized some, changed a lot of the budget around and went out and bought Chromebooks for every kid. You know, so that way we're fully one-to-one. -one. Like, you know, my other districts, I was able to do that. That was something we had to do right away. But it wasn't just that. It was also reaching out to Comcast and to the other providers saying, hey, do we have the Wi-Fi bandwidth here infrastructure-wise to maintain all these Chromebooks with our IT department, as well as on the island? You know, what does that look like? How do we go about doing that and sharing with the families the cheaper programs that they could have if they needed? and so forth. So we were looking at it from that lens that we had to be fully prepared in that regard. So luckily we are there now. So, okay. uh, whereas a lot of schools were saying, hey, we're not gonna get these devices till you know, next year or whatever yeah. it may be because of back order. Uh, we really jumped on it ahead of time. And I give a lot of credit to my IT guy uh, for really wheeling and dealing and trying to find the right companies to make that happen. Yeah, I mean, you're saying there's a, a backlog of up to five months. Uh, for a lot of these orders. So that's a tough. One final question, Glenn, um, and it's about assessment. Uh, it's another example of uh, BP before pandemic versus AP after pandemic. State testing, eh, SAT, ACTs, still, still a, a mess, a, you know, a muddle. You say that you're, you're going to be remote until hopefully the end of the, the first marketing period. Uh, in order to just to kind of keep some consistency and, and uh, you know, again, we're talking about the importance of social and emotional health as much as we are about some sort of academic rigor. Um, what do you see happening when it comes to assessing kids this year at the, at the high school level or even at the state level? Uh, and because I'm also seeing a lot of data coming out from a lot of these curriculum companies, you know, that there is a, a significant learning loss that has occurred. Yeah, so, you know, I think about that and I think about what did we do and I, and I really take pride in the fact that I think our staff did an amazing job during the whole shutdown in the spring. Um, they were on it working with those kids. So I you know, don't anticipate that much of a slide. And then I also have to question too, are we hearing of a slide because it's another way for companies to make money, you know, to sell their product. And, you know, so I'm really intrigued there. I know from a state standpoint, New Jersey is supposed to have a start strong assessment coming out that'll be optional at the end of the month. Um, me to you, I'm quite curious when that's going to be because I've been waiting for certain paperwork the entire pandemic and I still haven't gotten it like many other supers. So Yeah, um, end of the month, it's uh, for the record, it's September 23rd. So. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so it's coming, you know, where we are now and it makes you think. But as far as standardized testing, I, you know, it's quite unique in my eyes. I don't know how you could truly do that. After what they went through last year, you have so many kids that are remote, hybrid, and or in the building. You're going to have so many going ebb and flow with quarantines out of the building and back into the building. You know, I understand assessment. I think we did an incredible job, and I think a lot of educators did an incredible job with assessing in particular ways once they knew that the, the state testing was off their shoulders. It was almost like you got to teach again, you know, yeah, to, to really yeah. engage into not just paperwork, but to projects and into, you know, different forms of assessment to prove your knowledge. Um, you know, it was truly a great thing to see. So, you know, I personally don't know how they can do it. I think they do it for money reasons only. Um, that's just my personal background. Um, but, you know, to test these kids 
after everything else, I would hope they would test them on, you know, resiliency. I hope they test them on babysitting so they can care of their brothers and sisters and moms and dads at home while they're at work. I would hope they'd test them on all those things that these kids have persevered through that we'd never asked a generation to do before. You know, it's, it's strictly, it's remarkable when you give these kids, you know, what, when you look at what they've been through and what they're going through and the stresses they're dealing with when they see mom and dad or, you know, guardians maybe fighting internally because the stress is catching up to them. Are they acting as psychiatrists in their own house to their parents and their brothers and sisters and so forth? So that's the type of data that I look for, you know, as a, as a decent human being, you know, yeah. how do we come out of this better? And not just because, of, you know, we have to do a state testing because some company says we have to do so, you know, yeah. I just... I think there are better ways to assess. I think you can assess internally from yeah. your teachers. I think they can do a great job with that. Well, I think that's a great way to, to wrap this up. Uh, we hit a lot of high points. I really appreciate your time. Uh, I'm really glad to hear that uh, Brigantine is, is staying strong down there. Uh, once those casinos get up, maybe I'll come down and have a socially distant cocktail with you. Sounds good. Door's always open, my friend. All right, then. Thank you. Thank you.